0: Welcome to People From The Program, a podcast highlighting alumni from the NYU Music Business Program. Welcome everyone to People From The Program, the podcast that highlights the career journeys of alumni from the NYU Music Business Program. I'm your host, Bryce Butler, founder and chairman of the NYU Music Business Alumni Network and a proud alum myself of the NYU Music Business Program. On today's show, my guest is Mike Green, Vice President of Artist and Label Services at Warner's Alternative Distribution Alliance, affectionately known as ADA, where he oversees strategic digital marketing and audience development efforts for its label services partners and independent distributed labels, in addition to leading commercial relationships with TikTok, Meta, Snapchat, and YouTube. A 13-plus-year music industry veteran and accomplished multi-marketer, Mike has driven campaigns from McLemore, Ciara, Big Frida, Central C, Dropkick Murphys, Peter Gabriel, Papa Roach, and more. His work on trending songs from Dixie, Dylan Conrique, and Strange Fruits Music has been featured in Business Insider, Music Ally, and led to panel appearances at the annual A2IM Indie Week Conference. Mike, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks so much, Bryce. Really happy to be here.
0: Happy to have you, man. Um, as we to, Just to let the people know, as we were talking offline a little bit, Mike and I have been orbiting each other and have known each other for, man, over almost 10 years. We've never quite sat down like this, but this is what the podcast is for. It gives us an opportunity to sit down and actually connect, so I'm glad we're doing this, Mike.
1: Yeah, me too, me too. It's been a long time coming.
0: Definitely, definitely. All right, so um, Mike, you got great experience, you got a great career, and I'm excited to get all into it, but let's go to the beginning. Tell me about your journey to the NYU Music Business Program. You are one of our proud undergraduate alums. So, tell me how you made that decision that you wanted to pursue this, and what was that process like back then for you getting in?
1: Yeah, d- definitely. So, I, I would say you know it started with um, like probably many people being a being a musician in uh, uh, growing up and and in high school too. And in my case, it was playing guitar and drums and. Um, you know, punk uh, rock and alternative bands and, you know, getting into the marketing side of it. And I think what was cool sort of in the early, early aughts there was, you know, social media uh, one and 2.0 kind of Mm -hmm. coming into, into realm. So, hey, we can, Kind of film our own music videos, and I can learn Photoshop and and uh, shoot band photos and get CDs printed and market our music, uh, you know, with a MySpace page and play shows right. around mm-hmm. our town and and with that too, sort of voraciously, kind of consuming music, um, you know, you know, digitally and share with CDs too. So it was really, I think, the DIY element of of the music creation and marketing process that was enabled at that time, which kind of got me excited about like, Oh, Hey, I can, you know, uh, I see artists on, on, on TV or hear them on the radio, but I actually kind of, you know, can kind of do it myself a little bit and understand what right. goes into the process. And I think, um, being a part of the process and understanding kind of the process of all things that go into making music and marketing music, um, was really kind of what hooked me during that time. And, um, you know, t- to be honest, it's funny. I don't, I don't sort of remember how I um, first heard about the NYU, you know, Steinhardt program, but I was mm-hmm. like, man, I'm, I'm so glad I did, because, um, it, it, you know, it was just such a perfect alignment with what I wanted to do, and outside of music too. You know, I was a competitive tennis player in in high school and was looking at places where I could potentially oh, play. Nice play in college as well. And, um, you know, I, I was able to do a season or two, uh, on the NYU men's team. So I sort oh, of was able yeah, I was sort of able to check two boxes there. Um, which, which was, which was kind of amazing, but once I you know, really narrowed down, Hey, I'm kind of interested in this, you know, in, in doing this music thing for real, <laughs> um, you know, the schools that I was looking at really, you know, it only came down to two or three. And, um, you know, when I, uh, found out about the music business program and, you know, was ultimately accepted. I I was, I was just, I was over the moon. So, um, but it really started with making music and, um, really being part of that hands-on process and, and, you know, the digital marketing aspects too, which, which have obviously carried through uh, my career, which, which we'll get into.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, Mike, just a kind of a basic question, where are you from originally?
1: Sure. So I grew up uh, just outside Boston, Boston area.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. So, you know, growing up and then, you know, you had this passion for music, you were in a, you were in a band. How, what was that like navigating as a younger person, the indie music scene in Boston? Because it seems like you, you know, you're playing, you're doing your music thing, but you're also cutting your teeth doing the promotional thing, trying to promote yourself to get that experience. What was that like? What was that like in Boston, you know, kind of doing that when other people were doing it as well and you're just like starting out. Um what was that like? Was it really was it really cutthroat? Was there was it super small? Um how was it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember it being, you know, sort of fairly fairly developed. Um and then uh, obviously Boston's had a long history of, you know, uh, of music and you have Berkeley up there and 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 a lot of amazing bands and artists over the years. Um Uh, on different levels you know i remember sort of my first group um yeah i was i was 14 and and we also had a guy in the band that was sort of like 17 and he had a car right and he could and he and he could drive so it was however we were able to connect you know in that group we could drive 45 minutes to an hour around massachusetts or up into new hampshire um and it was kind of like connecting with with bands on on early social media platforms or pure volume, you know, even a year or two, maybe before MySpace. Um, You know, so it was just kind of reaching out and, and trying to find artists or yeah even even promoters who are interested uh in 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 hosting shows and sometimes i feel i feel like we played bar you know we played bars in certain areas and i'm like i'm i'm, I'm not i'm not 21 and it was a four it was a, it was a 45 minute drive in the middle of winter but you know what like it's cool we get to be on stage and do our thing and there's a promoter who seems to like what we're doing um and you know and i will say that there was also a a really you know, we were lucky to have a really healthy community kind of network of you know, uh, kids trying to do music and, 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 and places and venues and, that would that would host those types of events. Um, whether it was a YMCA or a community center, or you know the the local uh, you know WBCN RIP radio station would do the annual mm. battle battle of the bands.
0: Battle of the bands. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: so it was like stuff like that where you know, and a and a lot of word of mouth. Again, I think in in my town there is a history of uh, a lot of cool music and high school bands, and you know the the word of mouth would kind of get passed down. You know, from you know, if you're a freshman, you know, you, you see. What The senior bands are doing and you're going Mm -hmm. you're going oh that's cool you know that could (laughs) all right we we should do that too right um but you know it was it it was pretty pretty localized and um you know and and again just sort of good good community around uh around sort of high schoolers and kind of youth youth music if you will and you know towards the end of high school it was it was being able to explore a little bit into sort of like the broader you know punk and hardcore scene that, that you know, that, that was happening around Boston, and that was shows at churches, and those were nationally touring bands, or those were kids that were in college at the art school, you know, you know, just sort of, a, 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 you know, taking a little bit more seriously and more developed. So, um, you know, it was a progression over a number of years, but definitely sort of a lot of, um, you know, supportive, I think, you know, community spaces for 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 that type of scene. And And, uh, you know, kids who are trying to trying to make music and and play some music out there. Yeah,
0: you know, it's interesting to me because whether someone is pursuing or has pursued the graduate program or the undergraduate program, I always like to ask to find out what was that like with the people around you from a family standpoint, when you said, I actually want to seriously pursue this in school and go get a degree in this. Because you find that because these creative careers, you'll have a lot of support, but you may have family members that are a little skeptical (laughs) because there is, you know, a little bit of risk involved when people hear music or the arts or or something like that. So what was that experience like for you?
1: Yeah, well, I will will say... um when 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 we realized that there was a there was a college program or there were college programs around this i think that definitely gave my family a little bit of relief because as i was (laughs) alluding as i was alluding to in my last story there was you know a, a particular promoter um in our area with my first band and he's like oh no you guys are great you know i'm putting on these festivals in europe i'm going to fly you guys over to europe to do this Mm. stuff and i'm (laughs) I'm pretty sure you know 14 or 15 year old me came home and said guys i'm not going to college i'm going to do this band thing right and i think that's when they were like "Whoa, whoa whoa you know so i think um you know sort of uh started off with a little a little a little shock but ultimately you know over the subsequent year or two it was like oh okay you know there, there there's a way to be involved in this you know that is still you know going to college and there is a bit you know there's a business element to it and there's internships or these practical things that are really right. um you know can set you you know uh, on a path towards towards, towards you know a, a career and some more stability, so you know you know ultimately um you know there there was a lot of support which I'm grateful for um but yeah it was like before before maybe I came to my senses you know they were a little like, well, I don't know about that
0: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, buddy, it's all about bridging that gap. I had to do the same thing. I went to University of Dayton and I transferred there. I was a finance major in my old school. And When I transferred to Dayton, I decided what I really wanted to pursue. And I kind of talked about this before with my dad and they were like, oh, there's no money in it Was sport management um, and marketing. And when I did that, the professor that was teaching in that department, one of my friends and mentors to this day, Sat down with my dad, and he had to bridge that gap. He had to show him all the practical ways you can make money in the industry, how big the industry was, and how much money it generates. My dad goes, "Take him, you can have him." <laughs> <laughs> so, got to bridge that gap and show your show the family that practical side. I get that.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely a lot of definitely a lot of education. Um, but but yeah, there was there was some. Um, some some relief i think in in you know sort of how how this program balances the creative side with um you know with the liberal arts and and the business aspect uh and and you know the and the internships and um so yeah we we were able to bridge the gap thankfully
0: (laughs) yeah okay so then let's dig into that um obviously i'm i'm a graduate of the graduate program you of the undergraduate program so you spend a little bit more time Um, in that academic space in school for a four-year degree. What was your favorite class from the program? And then for you, you know, it could be one of the music business classes, but maybe it's not. I'm always interested to hear what those highlights were for the folks who graduated from the undergraduate degree.
1: Yeah, you know, I was thinking about this question for the podcast and it's, you know, I had to like pull up old emails and and G drive and going, Oh man, what, you know, what was that class called? And, 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 and trying to take stock. I mean, one, you know, you know, a couple, a couple memories, you know, that I will share is, you know, the music publishing class, which was at our time, um, led by Jennifer Blakeman, who, who is a long time publishing executive. And, you know, she just brought sort of such fun energy um, and, and inclusivity to the class and, you know i think you think about publishing and it was really about sort of like kind of songwriting to some extent too so that that was that was fun i think for, for me and a lot of other people to sort of again have have a class where you're, where you're bridging the, the the actual nuts and bolts maybe of of the that side of the business but with you know Understanding the songwriting aspects, um, and even maybe getting into some of the you know copyright law a little a little bit there too, um, which was always super interesting to hear about those those types of uh, 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 law cases. You know, mm-hmm. from Dr. Lawrence Ferrara, who who had came in a number of times um, over the uh, mm-hmm. over the years, and another one w- was um, performing arts in Western civilization, which was mm-hmm. a little. A little bit more esoteric, I would say, and, and I believe the professor, professor in that was was Tom McFarland. But um, you know, I think that that was one where it allowed us to take a little bit of a, um, I use the word esoteric, but just kind of uh, I don't know vibey, vibe-y approach to, to to analyzing music and art and culture, and and the uh, semester culminated in sort of doing doing a long analysis of a of a particular song and that was fun for me to choose a song from a band that i liked or discovered at the time and kind of not only go into the compositional aspects but um, what was happening in society and in culture and in the world around the time when that right. music was created and released and, you know, what statement was mm. that music making about what was happening at the time? And, and also, Hey, when you're listening to the music, what does it feel like and what do you see in your head? And, you know, what are the lyrics expressing what world is being created, you know, around around the music and, and, and trying to turn that into like a little bit of a, a a little bit of a thesis but but more just broadly trying to take in um and and analyze the music from from a number of different angles. So I remember that being um you know a really enjoyable project which I spent a lot of time into and <clears throat> you know then then one I'll say which was sort of off the path of music business to be honest was I was able to do a semester abroad in Argentina Oh, nice. um, yeah as part of the um the buenos aires program down there and and complete a spanish language minor in addition to the music business major so that you know spanish was was uh, something that i was doing well in 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 high school and i've you know, been fortunate enough to travel to some latin american countries and to spain during that time and Something that I valued and prioritized, so that was really cool to be able to sort of work that into the liberal arts aspect um, of the mm-hmm. program and, and get some of those credits squared away there. And while in Argentina, too, had an had an amazing uh, uh, professor from Buenos Aires and learning about all different types of of local music there and and rhythms and music you know, music history um, around mm-hmm. Latin America and Argentina specifically. So. Um, you know, again, sort of off the, off the traditional track a little bit, but something that, you know, was really a highlight of my experience and, um, was a really nice compliment, you know, to, I think, what is the rigorous, um, curriculum that, that this music business program, um, puts forth.
0: Yeah. It would seem to me that while you, you know, particularly nowadays, where you have to have the data and the numbers that can tell you a specific story of what's resonating and what's not, the things that those courses Dick, were instilling in you were to still and develop kind of the instincts to see, okay, can you can you verbalize and understand what this is how this is making you feel and how this may resonate with a particular audience. So if you put that together with the data piece, it's still important to have both of those. And it sounded like the program was was giving you, you know, a lot of those elements.
1: Yeah that's a really great point and that's a really great I think sort of synthesis of of what I was alluding to and another thing that I was thinking about is you know so I was in the undergrad program from 2007 to 2011 hmm. there was not a lot of music industry data at the time wow. it was you right. know we it was the, I mean the the iPhone came out freshman year but you know for us but not everybody had it right it wasn't as ubiquitous spotify was just kind of starting to come out
0: it hadn't made it to the us
1: yet by 2011 really
0: same Uh, with pandora right pandora was still at that time the music genome project or was it or was it pandora it it was around that time was starting to shift that,
1: that that's right and you know i think the music industry was just was in a was in a low spot um because you know okay you've got the itunes store and the, and the ipod um but sort of transitioning away from that and and certainly piracy you know still and w- was still an issue at the time and you didn't have really a mature uh, streaming market yet i remember one class it was learning you know it was when vivo was announced right and it was like mm-hmm. oh oh we're gonna have like a music video specific um you know Online streaming platform just for the music industry, um, and you know, so yeah, it, it was it was early days for that, and um, and and as such, the data and the insights and and the analytics that we have today at our fingertips were not, you know, they almost didn't exist to some extent, or they're really really quite limited. Um, so you know, that I, I just think that was just such an interesting time. Um, for me to be, you know, at that program and and getting into this industry because there were just a lot of, you know, I think the industry is obviously always evolving and we never totally know where it's going to go. But um, I I think it was in a much different place back then where there were a lot of question marks around, you know, what is going to revive the, you know, this industry.
0: Right. No, absolutely. It's a very interesting time that, that you were in the program and coming out of it. So, You know, if you had to pick that one main takeaway you got from the program, what would you say it would be?
1: You know, I would say is to, to, to value diverse and well-rounded experience and, and, and education and, um, you know, Th- through the coursework, through the internships, through you know the relationships that you know with your classmates, people you get to know, people you get to know in the other programs, music technology or music composition, or mm-hmm. up in the up in the Stern classes, you know you have to take from kind of everywhere, uh, and 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 everyone and every experience and interaction and. Um, you know that's what's going to make you kind of well-rounded and 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 thoughtful in in everything you do. So that's a bit of sort of a a, a macro takeaway I would say, as opposed right. to one you know one certain you know thing, you know, really specific. But that's sort of you know I try to soak in kind of from everywhere, and you know like to think that um, I was able to come out of the program with um, you know sort of well-rounded and and kind of uh, open-minded and, always, always eager to learn and, um, and, and meet new people.
0: Right. So that's interesting. Did that approach, did you also use that approach on the type of internships or the internship that you, that you decided to do? Was it, did you, did you stick at one place? Did you do multiple internships? Like, how did that go for you?
1: Yeah, so I did three different internships, and they were uh, a, a little bit different, but ultimately ended up sort of steering towards kind of the digital marketing, um, you know, direction and path that I've that I've been on. The first one was at Universal Music Publishing, um, you know, with 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 Jennifer Blakeman, and mm-hmm. you know, again, that that was sort of coming off of, you know, really enjoyed time with her, really enjoyed that class um hey i think publishing could be cool you know i would say i didn't have a clear idea of right of really what i wanted to do at that time but was hey here's an, you know here's an opportunity um you know there was there was a concert promotion company that i almost did an internship with and uh i forget i forget what happened what happened with that but you know it was i was kind of like looking at looking at different types of things just based on you know, a little bit of kind of what was in front of me and what was, what was accessible um, and being open-minded to those. After Universal Publishing, um, I interned for a music tech startup that was called Headliner FM, which was hmm. basically a mini social network, I would say, where artists would get rewarded by sort of promoting each other. Uh, and so trying trying to sort of like cross-pollinate uh, artists fan bases through different types of you know contests and digital experiences so that was definitely interesting in terms of you know being on a small really small team and starting to step more kind of into that digital marketing and and social media type world and to think about how artists can develop audiences and fan bases online, and how they can incentivize their fans to take certain types of actions um, or spread the word, really. It was, it was, you know, spread the word was kind of the goal. <laughs> um, and, you know, uh, so really in that kind of, let's say hardcore, uh, you know, web 2.0 social media 2.0 type space, and and from there, you know, I'd had some conversations with the orchard over some semesters, right. and my final final semester, senior year, I interned at the orchard uh, as a client services intern. So, you know, I was doing a fair amount of uh, metadata cleanup. It was funny; they would also, at the time, you know, when uh, bringing in new distribution deals and and acquiring new labels, a lot of the content was cut, sort of coming. Arriving to them via CD, so it right. was it was, it was, it, was rip, <laughs> it was ripping audio masters from CD and then putting in all the metadata so it could go into their digital ingestion and delivery systems, um, and it yeah you know, w- would also support some of the the label managers on you know pulling uh, pulling iTunes store placement uh, reports on Friday you know well I guess at the time it was Tuesdays you know but on 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 release days. Um, so that also, I think, gave me really good experience into you know some some of the under under the hood aspects of what goes into uh, you know music distribution, uh, digital music and 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 streaming and commercial DSP partners. Um, so yeah, so I would say that the, it, it ultimately did being did end up being a bit well rounded. Um, yes. But uh, but yeah, it's. It, again, it was sort of taking opportunities, um, you know, that were that were sort of in front of me. And then throughout the course of the program, also, you know, participating in, in, in networking events and panels and just trying to get a little bit more of a sense of, you know, what's out there and what are some, you know, interesting and innovative companies at the time. And, um, you know, try, trying to get involved a little bit more on the a quote-unquote tech side of some of that stuff
0: yeah absolutely i I do want to dig into something and and correct me on this headliner fm is this your as a marketer a young marketer is this your first kind of experience with tracking what the actual path is to become a super fan and how you kind of galvanize that fan or, or even create that fan it sounds like that's kind of what headliner was doing um is is that kind of your first interaction without maybe even knowing it that that's what you were doing there
1: yeah i I think i think it very well i think it very well might have been um you know certainly to that point anything kind of hands-on i had been doing in that regard was you know with with, again, my own musical projects, and those continued through college as well. And most of the goals there were just sort of like, hey, let's play some shows and get out there. You know, it wasn't really, we want to cultivate a fan base, per se. Right. Um, and so that was one aspect of it. And then the other aspect of it was, you know, as a fan and and an observer, right, of discovering music um, online or doing research on on uh, you know, on, on artists that I was into, but yeah, I hadn't, you know, that was maybe the first time where I was sort of critically um, involved in, yeah, what that journey is and what that path is and how technology and, and digital or social media platforms can be maximized and leveraged um, to cultivate an audience.
0: Yeah, very interesting. Um, I love to hear you just kind of talk about when you were introduced to these things, because it lets me get a picture of you as a as a marketer and how you're thinking about the business even today and, and starting that journey. So, so let's kind of jump into that a little bit. So you graduate from the program, you got you know the well-rounded experience, you've done your internships, which sound like they were really good experiences, and like you said, very well-rounded. What was your first job um, after graduating, your first full-time job?
1: Yeah. My first full-time job I was able to secure, you know, that summer following, following graduation. And I, you know, I would say it was as a result of a little bit of luck and, and, and serendipity, but, but also, but also kind of, kind of preparedness. And, you know, I'm pretty sure I, I just, you know, saw this job posting on a, on a job, you know, on a job board or entertainmentcareers.net or something like that at the time. And it was, um, a digital marketing assistant role at Razor and Tie, and I was like, "Oh, okay, Razor a record label." Okay, or, you know, it, it, it was actually more than a record label, but you know, it was for, for, for primarily for the label part of the business. And I'm like, "Okay, Razor and Tie, that you know, that rings a bell." You know, so I look it up and I go, "Oh, like five of my favorite bands are signed to this label." <laughs> um, Okay, I like I know what this is about, you know, um, and oh, I should also say that, you know, one thing I picked up. Um, you know, during undergrad was I was working with uh, Catherine Moore on the music business program website and blog so that was just again getting a little bit more hands on digital marketing experience the blogging and publishing experience updating websites the branding you know we named it at the time velocity um, mm. and you know putting together the graphic elements and and and, and the web page for that so uh, again, a little bit more of those hands-on nuts and bolts experience, expanding upon the the creative, uh, crafty stuff that I was doing, you know, for my own musical projects. So when this Razor and Tie opportunity came around, I, I kind of, you know, felt really well positioned for it because it was okay. I'm familiar with these artists, uh, uh, you know, on a real personal level, right. um, almost as a super fan of some of them, and you know, the digital marketing support that they were looking for. Well, I actually had done a bunch of it practically, you know, in my own time, you know, and in and in my internships. So, you know, again, that was just a, a little bit of luck, to be honest. I didn't have any, you know, alumni connections, um, you know, or, or mm. any ne- network aspects that I was really able to leverage for that at the time, um, or that I was aware of that I could have leveraged. Um, you know, so I think it was just everything and in, in my passion as a, as a fan and, 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 and my work and my internship experiences and, you know, my, my hand, my hands on that, right. that, you know, again, it was a little bit of right place, right time. So that was, that was my first, that was my first job there. And really just, again, supporting the label team on the digital marketing campaign. So working with the graphic designers to get, you know, web assets and, and, and banners made doing email right. doing email marketing social media updates um putting together and trafficking digital advertising plans updating artists um web stores and, and also which i think is interesting is participating in the in the kids bop side of their business which right. uh, you it's know not, yeah which is huge i mean they had a, a they had a publishing company and media buying arm they had the label and then they had you know a compilation business, which was really how they built their foundation, and then that that led to Kids Bop. So it's funny. On one hand, I'm doing punk and alternative and, and 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 metal band, you know, album rollouts, and then I'm flipping over and going, well, hey, K- Kids Bop 22 is dropping right before Christmas, and we got to do, you know, a, a six figure digital ad campaign and make sure the email marketing is out there, and you know, all the visual assets and the web store is up to date, so that e commerce side. So again, just super. I think well-rounded experience. um, You know, where working at an independent company like that, you kind of have to do a little, a little bit of everything, um, because you are, you know, you don't have the biggest staff. Um, So I got a lot out of that experience, um, just being on a small team and and really getting to be hands-on and involved and seeing how you put together. you know a a digital campaign from 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 soup to nuts
0: wow that's a great kind of first job to have to just dive in and and get and, and cut your teeth and build off the experience you have so okay so that journey to now let's talk about kind of the career and getting to the nuts and bolts that so you get your first job at razor and tie how does that how does that progress at razor and tie and how does that then walk me through how that begins to lead you to to warner and the things you're doing now
1: sure yeah so I, over the course of a a little over four years at Razor and tie i was able to kind of move up from the digital uh digital assistant up to the the director sort of uh running the digital marketing um for the label and you know that was you know that was a result of all obviously you know continue to be creative um, and you know embrace sort of new technologies and, and really just I think be a subject master in the space but also starting to collaborate more with you know the the streaming department and the sales department and, and and understanding how digital marketing and you know streaming commerce and sales sort of interact and what the partnership side um, uh, of the business is Uh, Looks like in that regard. So, you know, after after four years at 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 Razor and Tie, I was sort of, you -hmm. know, curious about other other opportunities, and you know, saw this uh, a similar role pop up. To be honest, at ADA within within Warner, and you know, certainly knew that Warner was uh, was was one of the big three, um, but wasn't Mm -hmm. wasn't as familiar, sort of, with ADA. Um, though in doing some research you know i was familiar with some of their distributed labels at the time right um and you know the the artists there and going oh okay you know well this job sounds like something i can do i'm kind of already doing it but it will expose me to a a different and broader set of artists and Mm -hmm. you know kind of get me into that big building of, of warner music group and um you know you know any any learning or growth opportunities that might come with that so yeah, around that time was able to make the make the jump over to ADA. Again, in 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 a similar role leading digital marketing campaigns for the label services side of uh of the business and that's just, you know, really progressed over the
0: last several years. Um Mike, real quick, um I want I I do want to ask you something and get in, and dig into something a little bit more technical. So, coming from Razor and Ties. You know, Kid Bop, you're, you're working on those artists, you you come to ADA for label services. Talk to the people, for those that don't know, what label services actually is and how, while with a similar role, there may have been some slight differences with what you were doing at ADA versus some of the specific things you're working on over at Razor and Time.
1: Absolutely. So ADA is the independent uh, distribution and label services arm of Warner Music Group. So we partner with hundreds of, uh, again, independent labels and artists around the world to distribute their music via Warner Music Group uh, to all its commercial partners uh, around the world. And the label, you know, pitch for playlisting placements, uh, help them with revenue and streaming insights just to grow their business uh, uh, around the world and leverage the muscle um, of, of Warner Music Group. So we, we really provide a lot of access to... Independent artists and labels, and when it comes to label services and that that role at the time, you know we're taking on um, you know a specific subset of artists uh, to bring them you know major label equivalent marketing services. So it's not just the distribution and the operational aspects of the digital music, but it's we're going to help you run your digital marketing campaigns we have a publicist we have a radio department we have sync licensing you're going to get a product manager that's going to help bring in marketing opportunities but also you know craft the marketing campaign and album rollout uh, in partnership with you know the artist manager or the independent label whatever the setup might be so the difference the difference really between uh, Razor and Tie and AD is that you know Razor and Tie was a label um, they the, the artists were signed to them. They own the masters, etc. They were really, you know, controlling all the budgets and you know participating maybe more in A and R and more in creative and more in the trajectory, you know, kind of of the artist. In the ADA setup, the independent artists and labels are are coming with most of that kind of sorted, um, and again they remain independent in that right. th- they they own the masters. They are, driving the, they are driving the creative control and creative vision. We aren't A&R'ing their music. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times they are, you know, get driving the visual direction and the narrative of their projects, but they're coming to us going, we want a partner who can help amplify what we're doing. We want a partner who has mm-hmm. the expertise, the know-how, the relationships to actualize um, you know, their vision. And with that too, it's really a partnership and it's really cooperative. So, all marketing decisions or budgetary decisions are are mutually agreed upon between right. between us and the artist or or, or their label. Um, so, in that way, it's a true partnership, and there's a lot more transparency in the setup. Um, but I would say, you know, day day to day, how it might have been different, I think was, you know. Because we're a, a services company, we act almost a little bit like you know l- l- like an agency to some right. extent mm-hmm. where we are a little bit more responsible for sort of pitching and reporting and making sure that we're really kind of delivering um, on our partnership and on the services that you know that the artists and labels are engaging. Um, you know, engaging in with us. So, you know, again, we we do work really closely with them, but they're they're ultimately um, uh, the bosses, so to speak. So we, you know, uh, again, we just have to be that trusted and transparent partner um, and, you know, and and deliver results uh, and or insights, you know, on their behalf and back to them.
0: Yeah, thank you for that breakdown. I just wanted the listener to kind of get the understanding of label services, ADA, and how that may, how your role may differ from working, you know, at an an individual label. Okay, so, you know, you're working, you're working at ADA, and, you know, you're working on all of these campaigns, and you're working with a lot of the artists that we mentioned in the intro. How are things kind of going and progressing from there?
1: Yeah, again, I think when I jumped right in, it was, oh, I'm, you know, I'm working, I've never worked hip hop before, <laughs> right? I've, oh, I'm, I'm familiar with some of the rock bands, but I've never really worked hip hop. I've never really worked dance. I've never really, you know, so I was exposed to all, you know, again, had the subject mastery of a digital marketer, but really having to lean on, I think what we talked about earlier Earlier is that more, you know, musical and, and intuition side um, of of, of of myself. Um, and also do that extra research of, okay, I got to, I got to kind of get myself up to speed on, you know, what are the blogs? What, who are the influencers? What are the YouTube channels? You know, what are, you know, what are the fans looking for in these certain, in these certain genres? So that was definitely, um, you know, something that was different and had to really get involved in. And, and then again, from there, sort of t- starting to take on a little bit more interest and responsibilities from the, um, from the digital marketing side, where started getting more involved, pitching some of the DSPs, so pitching Spotify and Apple Music, and really again being able to make sure that the digital campaigns that I was executing were, were sort of tapping into, um, you know, the KPIs that that the streaming partners were looking for, um, as well as YouTube partnerships and Pandora, and and then you know of course the, the social networks. And after a couple of years, you know. Uh, the label services department actually some of us spun off to relaunch asylum records, which was you know a long standing warner label and sort of in partnership wow. with some with some of the atlantic records a and r s and a lot of research driven a and r that was happening around twenty seven and twenty eighteen and by by research driven a and i i i'm referring to you know unsigned tracks and unsigned artists oh, that man. are kind of uh i don't love the word <clears throat> viral but going viral or or, or, right. or or growing on on youtube or soundcloud right at the time right um Mike, so, wait, man, let's
0: back up a little bit so based on your work at ada there was a decision made that we're actually going to restart and and bring back asylum it was like we're going to go basically start our own label within this warner system
1: yeah, yeah, pretty pretty, pretty much. Um, and again, that was kind of in partnership with uh, the head of A and R and and label services at ADA at the time, and then some of the, again, A and R's at Atlantic Records. So it was sort of a little bit of an artist incubator to some extent, but it was a wholly owned label, like you said. It was a, it was it was a true Warner
0: label. And- um, And just for clarification for the listener, um, they may be thinking this, you can correct me. A&R on the distribution side, meaning people going out and finding the talent or labels to sign to ADA versus the A&Rs that are working at Warner who are signing those artists to Warner. Then you add you doing the online marketing piece. All of you came together to say, let's bring back and restart Asylum and, and, and put all these factors together to build a label and find talent. Is that the way Kind of that should be described
1: yeah yeah Excellent. Ab- ab- absolutely um and again it was you know let's focus on developing artists who are you know finding traction be it on youtube or soundcloud um you know and get them into the warner system and you know there's there is upstream potential there too so up being right. able to upstream an artist from asylum records to, say, Atlantic records. And, you know, there were a couple instances where that happened, um, because we were successful. So it was, you know, a little bit, a little bit experimental, but, um, you know, again, trying to create sort of an artist development ecosystem that was really digitally focused. um, And, and, you know, Again, finding artists who are already having a little bit of traction and and empowering them um, and putting a team around them and and bringing them into the Warner system uh, in a way that you know they could you know potentially flourish and 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 move up.
0: man, that's a man, that's a great thing to just you know asylum being such a legendary label. um you know, it's just really great that your skills as a digital marketer you know brought you to this where you could work on something you know so iconic and 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 build that with with different artists and create those op- opportunities so kind of what was that how did that go and then how did that bring you almost back to ADA maybe focus on that
1: that's right i really enjoyed my time you know it, it was it was a a couple years or year and a half maybe um you know, whereas in that asylum position, and I think what I really enjoyed about it was I, I, I was almost, you know, back to being in the driver's seat a little bit, you know, as uh, as, a, as a label, like I was at Razor and Tie. And and also I was empowered, as I touched on a little bit earlier, to, to not only run the digital marketing, but also run the streaming for the label. Um, so, you know, that was... Hey, I'm gonna really go foster those relationships and and be that guy out there for the label, again with YouTube, with Spotify, with Apple Music, um, and you know that that was great too, not to just understand practically how that you know part of the part of the business works, but to deliver wins for the artists, um, and to you know expand my network and expand my skill set. You know, so I think really adding that streaming component on it and the, and those relations nice. those those relationships, you know, I think really just uh, upped kind of again my value, um, to you know to 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 an organization. So, yeah. you know, f- from 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 there, there was a transition with asylum where some you know new leadership was was brought on. Mm-hmm. And it was brought a little bit more directly under Atlantic Records, um, and you know they 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 staffed up and they developed a a really amazing kind of hip hop focused um, developing mm-hmm. artist label, which is which is still going today. You know, five years later. But I think that that's because a testament that you know the we succeeded in 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 the proof of concept. Yes, absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know, so I I didn't necessarily look at it as a bad thing. But it was, hey, we 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 ran this for a couple of years, and actually, you know, it, it it might work, and we saw some, you know, we saw some wins here. So so you know they 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 invested more and and brought in some new leadership. But with that, the opportunity was, um, you know, to sort of pick up what I had been doing doing at ADA, and um, you know, reinvest a lot of the A and R efforts that had. Previously, sort of gone to asylum, back to back to ADA, Um, and you know, from there, it's just been, I think a think a steady climb. Mm -hmm. uh, For you know, for me, just continuing to um, adapt to new environments, new streaming, you know, new new technologies, um, and you know, spread my experience and point of view and expertise, you know. Uh, around you know to the team uh, mm-hmm. in a broader in a broader way while of course continuing to you know bring uh, as much value and creativity as right. i possibly can to my artist roster so again coming into ada it, i was really it was you know i was actually kind of the only digital, digital marketer, um, and then, you know, (laughs) one of one, right? (laughs) Exactly. And then, you know, now we've been able to build out the team a little bit. So taking on more of that leadership aspect and, you know, imparting some of that wisdom to the, um, you know, to the other staff, but also, you know, wanting to be, you know, continuing to do innovative and, and fun and, you know, um, successful campaigns for our independent artists um, and labels. And then, you know, really, I think looking ahead, it's sort of how are we expanding our services offering um, in a really Mm. competitive marketplace um, and making sure that we're bringing the best value
0: um, to our artists and labels. Oh man, it's so great to just see Kind of how your career has gone mike and with everything you've done and from a marketing standpoint and everything kind of you've you've touched on you have almost sparked the inner nerd in me to ask two kind of in the weeds questions that i'm really interested to get your perspective on number one when you, is there a difference in the ada system or the ada kind of ethos in the way you do business of label services versus label management um, are those things together? Um, or does the second one rely on what whatever the first one does to service the clients almost in an account manager role pulling in producers and vendors to help facilitate the relationships um, with the labels and artists How does that work in the in, in your system? Are they yeah. separate or are they same? so we were they're 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 different but we work
1: really closely together so i would i I would say it really starts with label management every label uh label entity or artist that signs with us gets a label manager and that's really their that's really their point of contact in this in the system to uh you know and that's the, the label manager is 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 their advocate um uh, it's it's helping them make sure that they are delivering all their deliverables, you know, on time and keeping them on track. Making sure that the broader teams have the information that they need so that they can go out and pitch and support, um, you know, releases domestically and or and or uh, around the world. So it really starts with label management, um, and then it's building up on top of that is the label services. Um, so we think about label management again as kind of core distribution. That could just be streaming. That could be that mm. could be digital, but also physical. We 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 have a lot of physical label partners as well who are distributing mm. uh, CDs and vinyls through us. So label manager is very much at the center of the wagon wheel of all things relative to to a label's business, um, and where my team where I come in is is the label services that added layer on top where we are bringing more hands-on marketing involvement um involved more day-to-day in the campaign rollouts under the hoods of the 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 budgets and the audience insights and you know leveraging our creativity and our networks to to you know bring those added layers um, of marketing and we don't you know we don't do that for everybody because Mm -hmm. you know we, we 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 reserve that for uh, i would say labels and partners or tracks where we see that opportunity mm-hmm. um to really jump in and amplify um and and just because of scale too you know so we are it's 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 a lot more hands-on in a different way um and you know as a result we, we again sort of are really i'd say prescriptive with with what we look at um and for for when we want to make that jump with a partner up
0: to label services right absolutely that that makes sense thank you for that clarification um okay this uh, another question will be added on to this but the second question that first came to mind is you know you talked about wanting to always add that layer that's going to make the the label or client successful you know if you think of yourself almost as the agency in that sense um so different clients need different things. Can you talk about how the role of brand partnerships comes into this and finding kind of those, those brands or those companies that can work with artists on your labels to help either build their profile or create a new revenue stream of sponsorship for things like, is, is that something that label services has looked into? Is that something that you do? Has that grown at the company? Can you, can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, I would say brand partnerships is is a space where, you know, again, as you said, case, case by case. Um, we haven't historically been, I would say, staffed uh, for that with a tremendous amount of expertise, but we also are able to partner with different aspects of Warner Music Group around that, be it the WMX um brand partnerships and and experiences team or now imagine media coming into the fold of Warner Music Group so that can that can often be an angle where for our label services clients we're able to kind of try to tap in and partner with other teams within the building leverage their expertise and their networks or plug our artists into opportunities that they might be working on and and you know seeking seeking sort of our, our artists for um but outside of that sort of on on date on kind of day to day with our campaigns, it's always it's always uh it's always a discussion that we have mm. and an area that we would love to love to develop into. Sometimes that's kind of like just an in-kind partnership where there might not be money or revenue exchanged, but there is marketing alignment or audience alignment and you know the artist can bring value to the Brand in terms of maybe some some social reach and some marketing aspect, and 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 likewise, a brand can offer some discovery uh, op, you know, opportunity and fan acquisition for an artist. Um, and then there, you know, then there are partnerships where, um, you know, th- there is there is transaction and there is mm-hmm. there is revenue. You know, I would say definitely a highlight of my career. Um, in working with big Frida, who we touched on at the beginning was actually something that came out of more of just my digital marketing partnerships and relationships was Frida was, um, brought in by, by meta, by Facebook at the time, uh, to be in, uh, a TV commercial, uh, of Mm -hmm. theirs that ran around the Grammys for, for, um, for facebook groups when they were pushing that at the time so that had a sync component to it as well they licensed mm-hmm. one of her songs frida was in the tv spot you know which ran during the grammys and then facebook uh, also sent her to the grammys and we did a takeover of the you know kind of at facebook uh, official story um, showcasing Frida's experience, you know, going to the Grammys and the red carpet, getting ready, that sort of thing. So that was sort of a three hundred and sixty integrated campaign, um, oh, nice. yeah, which was which was which was incredible, a, a, amazing amount of exposure for Frida. You know, she also uh, that was that was a that was a significant paid opportunity for her as well. Um, you know, and then there were the there was the you know the music integrations for us on the sync side, which you know kind of boosted our, you know, our EP campaign that we were running at the time. So I think that's an angle where, you know, different types of relationships or partnerships can lead to uh, what you might think of as brand partnerships. But the best ones I think are, are, are when the music is integrated and when right. it's sort of in stream with an album cycle,
0: because right.
1: you know, then, then it's the rising tide is, is, is lifting all ships, so to speak.
0: Yeah, no, thank you for that. Absolutely. And then the the question that was also sparked is and and you kind of probably knew this was coming. Yeah. The listeners, you know, they're they're listening to you kind of give this, give your background, talk about your experience. They're excited. And then of course it comes in their head, hey, I know someone that has a label or I have a label. What type of labels get signed? Um to ada and partner with ada is it only if you you got to go out and establish your own and then once you get super big you come to ada is it oh i know so and so who has five artists that used to put music out and have a history oh that gets to sign to ada does ada sign oh hey i just started my label yesterday but you know dad left me two hundred thousand dollars and i've got it fully funded and need a distributor well, how do you get signed to ABA and and what type of labels do you normally work with?
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Well, I'm for. I guess I'll I'll answer the last one. Um, is you know from a genre perspective, uh, or a global perspective, you know it's really everything and 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 anything. Uh, I think the role, you know the the role of a, not the role, but often the goal of a distributor um, is you know to build. Build some aspect of healthy volume, um, mm-hmm. and to be able to aggregate that uh, around the world. So right. ADA partners with again a- a- all genres. It could be frontline new artists, developing artists, um, and management companies. You know, to catalog labels and to you know ambient music. To mm-hmm. right, so it's it it really runs the gamut. But what I would say is, you know, we just want to. Uh, be in business with people who we know are going to be, you know, great partners, um, mm-hmm. and you know, equitable, equitable partners, and you know, just sort of like easy to work with to some extent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, but but again, you know, at, at a base level, there is a lot of responsibility on the label. Um, to be discovering artists, to be marketing artists, to be understanding uh, the marketplace and, and and growing them and, and, and empowering them. Um, but in a practical sense, it's a mix, right? It could be labels that have been around for um, 30 or 50 years. It could be uh and we've done a few of these over the years artists who maybe are coming off of a major label deal or major label experience who have that fan foundation who have some of that touring under the belt who have you know been around the block a few times but are going i want to take things you know in to my own hands a little bit here um and and i have a vision but i i have a partner i I want a partner who can help me see that vision through so you know that's been part of it and then you know it's 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 often, um, you know, s- smart, smart entrepreneurs out there who are, mm-hmm. you know, building businesses for themselves, building little labels for themselves, um, but want that, you know, added access, want to expand their team, um, you know, want new insights and, and, and the, again, the expertise that ADA brings and, and, and at times the muscle of Warner Music Group. Um, so it's, you know, it's not, uh, it's not open to everybody. I would, I would say that there's definitely a lot of scrutiny that goes into kind of sort of who we partner with, but, um, it can be again, cutting edge, new indie labels who are kind of building a buzz in a scene and, 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 and we see that opportunity and kind of developing from the underground, there could be an artist coming off a major label who are looking to take things into their own hands. you know, or it could be a long-standing, you know, independent label, um, you know, who's looking for, you know, for, uh, again, that, that global reach and, and stability.
0: Excellent. Love the, the insider, the insider knowledge, man, and the feedback. This is great. And I, I'm pretty sure people are getting a lot out of this, um, when they take a listen and, and when they check out the episode. So I got two more questions, Mike. I asked these questions of all my guests. What are you cu- first one what are you curious about right now could be anything uh,
1: this is going to sound really um, uh, i don't know cliche at this time in january 2024 but you know i think i'm i'm curious about artificial intelligence i'm curious about <laughs> a- ai um and it, it also curious from a perspective of again as i've talked about i'm kind of a hands-on person and and i like to figure out how things work or get my hands dirty with something before I go, you know, try to sell that through to an artist or to a label. So AI obviously has a lot of different applications in our industry, be it how listeners are served music uh, and how they discover music, how music is created, how visuals are created, how, um, you know, uh, consumption or business might be, you know, predicted uh, or projected over time. So. <clears throat> for me it's you know i think we're we're early days on it i am by no means an expert um, i've played around with some things here and there but um yeah you know, i i do feel like it uh, ai is going to become um more more integrated into into what we do um you know on our side of the business and and from the listener experience as well so For me, again, it's, it's curiosity to actually get my hands, uh, dirty a bit more and play with some things, but then just looking ahead of, you know, uh, you know, what is, what is this impact, you know, gonna look like uh, on the industry? I think there's a lot of like, you know, hype around it, um, right now. And so it's a little bit of like, okay. You know, is it gonna live up to the hype?
0: We'll see. Yeah. Even, you know, almost alexa being uh, if i can say this the precursor of ai which with this idea of how much is your literal voice worth (laughs) like how much is the ability to scale your voice you know obviously we've seen in in the traditional ways of creating songs or if you're a if you're a radio host or a sports analyst but Just the actual, your literal voice being replicated in different places, how can that be monetized where you always own that and get something for that is fascinating to me and we'll see how that goes. Yeah. And
1: what are the like mechanisms to, I mean, you said monetization, but also sort of protect that, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. Especially, uh, you know, seeing what AI can do in terms of replicating of the voice, um, and some of those interesting iterations we've seen, you know, with 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 pop and hip hop tracks. So, uh, yeah, I think that's I think and 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 also and also sort of what what rights does does a record label or 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 a distributor or you know independent artists have around their voice in a in a non musical right non-musical
0: iteration right yeah so crazy yeah it it really is i mean that's a good one to be curious about (laughs) um all right last question if you could go back and talk to yourself on the first day that you started the program we've come full circle what would you say to yourself
1: i would say um you know I would say, trust your gut. And I would I would also say, you know, be curious. Uh, and I would also say, maybe, you know, spend a little more time and pay a little bit more attention into some of those Stern classes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think, you know, there's, uh, again, as I, as I talked about, the, the curriculum for the music business program is, is pretty strict when you come into it. Um, and I think to some some people, might not respond well to that um, and you know you, you see, see people who you know make the decision to switch majors or whatever it is um, but you know for me I think it's you know if I could go back it's you know to to, to really take in and spend the time some of those you know classes that might not be quote-unquote as fun you know as some of the music business ones but now as I'm getting into a little bit you know, mid stage of my career, it's, it's really a lot of those business principles, uh, I think, you know, for me that, you know, are going to continue to to kind of help me grow alongside of the creative aspects. Um, and to the be curious point, I mean, there, you know, there are uh, there are room for electives, you know, in wow. the in the curriculum, for me, I use those on as I mentioned, my study abroad in Argentina and my Spanish minor, but there are so many amazing things, classes, courses, and 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 just things to be learned um, and be exposed to throughout NYU at large, and and I'm like, man, I wish I could go back. You know, there's again, <laughs> so, 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 so just a wealth of a wealth of knowledge and opportunity around the university. So, um, you know, I would encourage people to to uh to also explore outside the box a little bit too
0: i love it man everyone that is mike green vice president of artist and label services at warner's alternative distribution alliance also known as ada mike man thank you for coming on the show man you were excellent i think there were so many great nuggets here and i just i love your story and yeah i'm excited for for what's coming up next for you but yeah, it was great to have you on, man.
1: Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a, it's been a pleasure and really enjoyed chatting, chatting through it with you, Bryce.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Love your story and glad you could come on. Um, everyone, thank you for tuning in to this episode. Mike was great. Um, you can follow me, BryceB88, on Twitter. Um, I will have more episodes soon. But until then, take care and be well. Thanks for listening to this episode of People From The Program. Be sure to check us out anywhere you listen to your podcasts and stay tuned for future episodes of the show.